Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and I'm here with Devendra Hardwar to discuss the night of season finale. Devendra, how are you doing today? The night of the night of finale, Dave. You missed the golden opportunity there. Missed the golden opportunity. How are you doing today, Devendra? Doing good. Uh, So we have just finished watching the season finale of the night of on HBO. Uh, so far, I don't. I'm not aware of any second season that's been announced for it, but it's very possible mm-hmm. that there will be. Yeah, and uh, like literally, ten minutes ago, just finished watching it, and so we're hopping on. I'm broadcasting live on YouTube right now. We're going to put this up on the Slash Filmcast later and talk a little bit about what our thoughts were on this series. Now, Devendra, you and I were both really taken with this series when it started, mm-hmm. uh, and I still maintain the first you know, three episodes, some of the best procedural filmmaking, quote-unquote, that I've seen in quite some time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'd say I think you were a little stronger on it than I was. Like, I was seeing uh, cracks in the facade even uh, from the beginning, but it, w- it was definitely better early on. Let's talk first about what the show does really well. Okay, Uh, Mm -hmm. And I want to mention a few things, in my opinion, that uh, I really liked about The Night Of. Number one, and we should say, actually, before we begin, that uh, you can find more episodes of our podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. You can also email us at SlashFilmCast at gmail.com. And uh, we're actually going to take call-ins today. Uh, Not yet. I'll let you guys know when to call in. But uh, you'll be able to call in at 781-583-1993 and share your thoughts on the night of season finale. Uh, so looking forward to hearing what our listeners think about it. Uh, but anyway, uh, we are going to spoil everything through the first season of the night of. So if you don't want to be spoiled, then you should stop listening right now. Uh, so spoilers, beware. Let's talk about the show. Something I think the show did really well is that, firstly, it's a gorgeous show, right? Like very beautifully shot. Uh, mm-hmm. The cinematography is tremendous. Like, my mind boggles trying to think of how many camera setups they used uh, in this show. It felt like there was a new shot like every you know twenty seconds, and that it, it seemed like it must have been meticulously storyboarded in order uh, to sure, achieve the yeah. look they had. Uh, and so, there's very few shows that look better on television, and uh, that's one thing uh, that just right off the bat is immediately obvious. Second thing I really liked about the show, uh, at least the first few episodes seemed really focused on process and on like every all the steps that you don't see on Law and Order. Sure, what yeah. happens after the perp leaves the courtroom? What happens when they go to prison? What happens in between uh, all these steps that we normally see on a procedural show? The night of seemed to show us those things in the first few episodes it lost that more and more as the season went on and that's where i think the show kind of went wrong um and then finally um i mean there's many other things to praise about it but i'll I'll toss it to you after i mention this last thing devendra which is just that uh i think it really helped show the human side of the criminal justice system you know uh like it or not, there was a, a very human element to uh, the lawyers, eczema. Uh, there's a very human element to like these cops who have been on their shift for 15 hours and they just want to get off the shift. You know what I mean? Like it, it shows you that these are human beings that are causing this justice system to just keep grinding forward. It's not just mm-hmm. like uh, impersonal and – I mean it is very impersonal. But you know, it is not just like a machine that is operated automatically, that there are human beings with their own wants and desires that uh, are helping uh, to, to make this trial happen. 
And uh, that's something that we don't often see in shows like Law and Order, which you know is one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, but is like kind of an iconic series for what it was able to do for the, the procedural genre. So those are just a few things that I really appreciated about the Night of. Uh, Devendra, what did you like about the Night of? Um, you know, as you said, like when it started, there seemed to be a lot of potential here to do something kind of different with a procedural drama. Um, and I also really liked Riz Ahmed. I liked the fact that I focused on this kid, uh, an actor that I really liked and that um, I like that he's showing up in more things now. But also focusing on, you know, how this is affecting him and his family and the fact that he's Muslim and how uh, uh, in a climate today, how somebody who's Muslim like him could, uh, I don't know, could be dealing with. Uh, a lot of injustice happening uh, all at the same time. Um, And uh, John Turturro's performance I really enjoyed. Uh, And yeah, it's just a beautiful show. Um, But even early on, you know, I felt like everything you're talking about, all those setups almost felt too meticulous. It almost felt like it was trying really, really hard to show us like how polished it is and how stylish it is. And that's the sort of thing where, you know, you do it to a point and it's it's fine and I really enjoy it. Uh some you can easily go overboard with some of that stuff and um I know then it starts to feel distracting. And I started to feel that early on too, especially when the camera would just linger on things that uh, you know would be important later on. Yeah, it, it wasn't very subtle about anything like that. It wasn't very subtle uh, as a show in general, and mm-hmm. I, I agree that some of the filmmaking felt "quote unquote" overdirected. Beyond that, uh, there were also problems of like so many red herrings thrown in there yeah. about yeah. like who might have done the crime, and ultimately, I think where the night of went wrong is it, it started by transcending the genre and then ended up simply becoming a fairly generic entry into the genre. Sure, sure. And honestly, a very melodramatic one, too. Like, it's weird how it went from being this high-minded pursuit to something that, uh, I know, had a lot of weird plot twists and uh, really dumb things happening, like really dumb motivations. Agreed. Uh, I think what annoyed me the most is how the show just lost focus from uh, Nas and the trial itself and even his family. Like what his family went through uh, was kind of glossed over. Uh, And instead we spent a lot of time, a lot of freaking time on the eczema. And then also time on uh, John Turturro may or may not be adopting this cat uh, which I love how that was paid off, like the very tail end of the finale. Um, the very tail end of the Yeah. Finale. Anyway, yeah. Uh, you, you reference a couple of other things that I think the show does very well, which is, uh, uh, like, I appreciated what the show was trying to do with regards to Nas in jail. It, mm-hmm. It's trying to show you that you can take a completely innocent person, put them in prison, and that they will come out a criminal. Like, I, I get... That what the show's trying to do. I don't think it did it in a particularly subtle way, uh, <laughs> but I thought that overall it was fine. I would give it a C in terms of how well it did. I, that I don't know, man. It, it got cartoonish. It got pretty cartoonish. It got pretty I mean, cartoonish, I, yeah. I, I think the bigger problem is you talked about this on Twitter is like, yeah, the show is terrible about telling us how much time has passed uh, between episodes, sometimes even between scenes. It's really unclear yeah. how we're moving through time in the show. And so. Yeah, and one episode, Nas can be like a scared kid in prison, and the other, he's getting tattooed uh, Sinbad on his hands, which that's really going to help you in your trial of attempted murder or of murder. Um, a lot yeah. of dumb things like that. Like, uh, it, it seemed like he started trusting, he trusted every single person 
he talked to in prison. And uh, it was only the point where he started talking to uh, Freddy, right? Uh, where I, I think like a lot of the stuff started to get worse. But that also escalated so damn quickly. Like the drug use, the tattoos and everything. It escalated quickly yeah. in, from an episode to episode basis. I think uh, the first few episodes of the show felt like every episode was a day. And then yeah, yeah. as you got to episodes four, five, and six, you're grumping like months at a time. And so mm-hmm. the show didn't do a very good job of conveying uh, that passage of time. And I think it went really wrong there because those time jumps really cost mm-hmm. in terms of character motivation and development. And give me, give me some chirons. Give me, give me something. Yeah. Give me a newspaper. <laughs> you, you can be you're tra- you know it's so blunt about everything it's trying to say when it comes to symbolism. Like the I don't even know what it's really trying to say about the eczema, but the cat. Like there's a lot of like forced imagery in the show, and instead of giving us the narrative imagery that we actually need. You know what? What? What time is it, or how much time has passed? How is Nas dealing with this? Uh, kind of in between the big scary moments, how is his family dealing with it? Other than you know not being able to afford the car anymore, the taxi, and his father having to deal with that, it's it's sad that the show kind of lost sight of all of that. Yeah, uh, I, I think the impact on his family, like you said, they did really well, and and the problem is that uh, they invested so much time in the eczema thing. Now the eczema <laughs> thing is clearly meant to be an allegory right. for the criminal justice system, right? It's, or is it? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's this yeah, idea. Sure. Uh, it, it certainly comes uh, into play in the final moments of, uh, of the season finale. <laughs> it really does. But, you know, the idea that there's this thing that's like this intractable illness that a lot of people are weighing in on with their expertise and people, everyone thinks they know what the answer is and no one really has an answer and no matter what you do, you can't get rid of the problems that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a metaphor for the justice system. It's a very overwrought metaphor and I think you only really earn the ability to extend that allegory in the way the show did if you are firing on all cylinders with every other element of the show, which it was not, you know? And also, if you're saying it wasn't always saying something new or interesting, like it seemed like it kept making the same points over and over with the eczema thing rather than trying to flesh out what that it really means or what it means to John Turturro or what it means to the justice system. Uh, I heard on the uh, the original British uh, version of the show it was just kind of like a quick thing. Like, oh, b- by the way, this lawyer has eczema. Doesn't that humanize him a little? But they didn't focus on it like yeah, this. They so. focused on it so intensely, yeah. and it's gross. You know, It's just not pleasant <laughs> well, to watch I, or consider. I, I don't care about that. You know, it's, <laughs> It is one of those things. Like, I, I actually kind of like the idea that just somebody dealing with like a skin disease that is normal and not very Hollywood, I'm fine with that. Um, and seeing that stuff portrayed is actually kind of interesting to me. But... There's so much else going on in this show, right? Exactly. This is a show exactly. about the murder of a young girl and so much else floating around. Um, but let me tell you, like, Dave, where this show really lost me, um, the the minute where they're walking up to a townhouse in the Upper West Side, um, nobody asks, like, how the hell does a young 20-something girl, how is this her house? And it's right. not until, like, episode five, I think. It's not until, like, the trial is, like, six. well underway. Yeah, that yeah. They're like, no, no, wait, it's like, she has this massive how? house that maybe someone yeah. might be motivated to try and obtain exactly. from her. And neither yeah. the lawyers or the cops asked that question. Nobody was really asking questions of motivation. And I guess part of the message there is that, oh, they were just so dead set on Nas that they didn't really look at anybody else. But it is it is kind of hilarious. Like, it's not just it's just bad police work but it also seems like bad writing like oh they they conveniently notice all this stuff 
um, you know, just to push the plot along. Maybe if they had recognized this earlier, they would have found this other dude that that's revealed in this episode. They would have found him in the first episode. I'm a little bit more forgiving of that than you are, simply because I mean, there there was. As you see in the pilot, there was just loads of circumstantial and DNA I mean, evidence. You know, I like guess. if you were a person who's just doing a job and uh-huh. uh, AKA a detective. And by the way, that was one of the biggest disappointments. I would say, like, mm-hmm. Detective Box, I feel like mm-hmm. whenever you're doing stuff on the eczema, you're taking away from character development. And I thought that, like, Box would be a much bigger character through the course of the show. Still I very, he'd be more interesting. Yeah. Still a very great actor, you know, great performance in the show. But it's just like, oh, man, mm-hmm. that there was so much potential there for kind of this. I felt like mm-hmm. it was a setup between, like, Detective Box and... and uh, Nas's defense lawyer and like right, this is right. going to be like a, a you know a clash of the titans kind of thing and that never just I, came to pass I, I think the show kind of oversold uh, Detective Box's abilities I guess because early <laughs> right, on it did I seem agree, like yeah. he was the guy he was the you know the the dude the master detective walking in to solve everything and like he everyone's like oh my gosh is, is that the most Box? obvious thing the, the yeah. most amazing detective on the you know and so everyone yeah. was talking about it in hushed tones uh, I agree. It was not really well done. I, I do think that you know Detective Box did a great job with the performance, but Bill Camp, uh, yeah, Bill Camp did a great job. Box, yeah. uh, and it kind of ended up with um, Jeannie Berlin was the DA at the end. She uh-huh. was phenomenal as well. Uh, a lot of great performances in the show. You know, that's, that's certainly not a problem. Yeah. Uh, but you have this, like you said, cart- the, the prison stuff I found to be incredibly cartoonish. Yes. Freddy being yes. this kind of omnipotent, he's a fairy. Go- he's like a yeah. fairy. He's basically the fairy, fairy godfather. Negro, of well, the- fairy godfather, but also like the very fairy Negro jail godfather too. Like, there's a lot of different, a lot of cliches yeah. going on in this character, and then maybe some things will be revealed uh, in the second season. Like, he'll probably call in if if we actually do get to see what happens to Nas and maybe he'll start calling in favors or something. But right now, yeah. What, what, what was his motivation? What was good? He just wanted a smart kid to play, like to play chess with, uh, and help him smuggle drugs in apparently. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, that's uh, easy firstly, if, if a second season happens, it would likely be a completely different set of characters. Um, from what I understand, true detective season two style is my understanding of how it might go mm-hmm. down. Uh, but also the idea that, firstly, there was also that other random character that, started helping Nas before tossing boiling hot baby oil on him. Uh, And I I was reading a recap of that show that actually thought that that character was made up in Nas's head because (laughs) of how out of the rest of the show, like how that character seemed to come from an entirely different show. Like, why would this random character help him and then suddenly turn on him at the end? (laughs) Makes no sense. Uh, And so that stuff was ridiculous. And then the idea that there's these three suspects that just happen... To have motive and uh, opportunity the night of uh, the murder felt very uh, convenient. And then, of course, the final episode, we find out it's none of those suspects. Of course. uh, In classic Law & Order TV uh, final twist fashion. My God, if we asked the most basic questions about this case, we would have found this guy earlier. Again, I'm more forgiving on that point, but I, I do think, yeah, it's a little You're bit... You're really forgiving, Dave. Like, did you... <laughs> maybe it's because you haven't... Uh, somebody who lives in New York and is also, like, trying to find, uh, eventually buy a place or something, which is impossible in the city. But look at that house. Look at that street. That neighborhood. That is one of the most expensive neighborhoods in the world. 
Well, and this ask, you know, young girl is like living there. Like there, there are basically questions that they didn't ask. It's not even like, oh, let's look into her financial statements. They didn't ask who could really benefit from her murder. They sort of glossed over the stepfather and everything, but they didn't ask that about Nas. Let's ask this question to you, and then mm-hmm. I want to talk about the finale a bit, and then let's bring yep. on some callers. Uh, how did you feel the show captured New York? I, I've been to New York a few times. I thought uh-huh. it did a pretty good job of yeah, capturing the environment and and like sure. the courthouses look run down and like they did. Li- uh, look sometimes, yeah. sometimes I used exteriors from courthouses in Brooklyn. Uh, I know because I've I've had to like walk through some for jury duty and whatever. So like even if the locations aren't exactly right, it feels like New York. Uh, they clearly shot here, um, and that's something that was totally missing from like uh, the Ghostbusters reboot, which felt nothing like New York. So it had the it had the look of New York, and it definitely had the feel of it too. And a lot of the accents are like John Turturro knows how to do a New York accent pretty well. Yeah. Um, I really would have liked to see Gandolfini in that role, and that is truly sad to me. Like apparently they did shoot the pilot scenes. And I wonder if we'll ever see that if uh, in special features or something. That'd there is there is a scene in uh, the finale. Like in, in general, I, I agree with you. I would have loved to see Gandolfini in this in the show. Uh, he would have played the uh, defense lawyer role that John Turturro plays. Mm-hmm. There is a scene in the finale where he kind of roughs up uh, the victim's father, uh, stepfather. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that just would have played so differently with James Gandolfini because James Gandolfini is a legitimately yeah. threatening yeah. character. Well, we've uh, seen him be a threatening yeah. dude for so long on TV. And we've seen John Turturro, like, <laughs> be, like he can be threatening. Uh, but he's but not in the, yeah, not in this. He's much more of a goofy person. Yeah, and, and I think, yeah. I don't know about goofy, but he's just, he's just a weaker like physically less imposing. Also, that is a really smart thing to do with a potential witness. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Like, Just rough him up and uh, hope that and, nothing goes oh wrong. Oh my god, with the that. other the other lawyer too. Um, what's her name? What's her name? Uh, Chandra, played by Mara Karan. Yeah. Um, like she, I actually liked her performance. But what they wrote, like eventually, oh, I guess I'm in love with him now. I guess I'm going to start smuggling drugs to this guy. Yeah, I mean, did you buy? Just, did you buy any of that? No, no, it's like, ridiculous. I wish, I wish they had at least set some of it up or at least some sort of romantic tension, but not like acting on it, not like and not going to the drug group, because, my God, not only does that that ruins your case, that ruins the career that sends him to jail for whoever knows how long, like so many stupid decisions for a character they otherwise painted as like smart and competent. Uh, I yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, uh, I jumped off the train of the show's <laughs> believability when she made out with him in the yep, cell. Yep. And then this week when she goes to do the drug buy for him, I'm just like, this has become, yeah. you know, like freaking CSI Miami at this point. You know, like it's not <laughs> – it's gone from being like the most gritty, realistic procedural to being ridiculous. I have to say um, like I, I appreciate – like I know what you're saying about it being – See, it seemed really different early on, but we've also seen a lot of this material covered in other other shows, right? We've seen Oz, we've seen yep. The Wire, we've seen even in The Killing, a show which people also got pissed off about, especially about the finale. I think The Killing did a much better job of like conveying the work of the case and how the family felt. Like, go, oh my god, the first couple episodes of The Killing, just seeing the family deal with that loss and that heartbreak. It is one of the most emotionally wrenching things I've ever seen. Like, there are just some great performances in that show. And I also, I think I just preferred the style in that show, too, because uh, it was a little, it was a lot more subtle. It wasn't as, like, it wasn't trying as hard as this one. Um, so that's just saying, like, I appreciate what the show tried to do. 
But at the same time, like I don't even think it was as groundbreaking as maybe we thought it was earlier on. I agree completely. Uh, I think the ending of the show, this uh, season finale, was fine. Uh, it wasn't horrible. Uh, I think it's cool that okay, we got yeah. closure on a lot of things. Um, Nas gets out of jail. I mean, the, I don't know if I quite, quite bought the idea that the trial would have ended in mistrial. Like, yeah. six by six deadlock. Because me, as an individual watching the trial, mm-hmm. uh, it, it just seemed like when he was on the stand, like, yeah. the, the DA obliterated him. I mean, it's yeah. just like, whoa, she just <laughs> laid waste to him. And then I think the idea is, like, we're supposed to believe that John Turturro's closing statement was so good, so good that it was able to like undo all the damage that was done by putting him on the stand yeah. and I just did not believe that at all and there, I mean, it, also, you, it annoyed me too like there were just so many arguments that uh, John Turturro and uh, um, uh, the other lawyer like and Chandra like they just didn't make you know the idea that yes um, may, may, maybe if he it, it would actually would have been easier for Nas to just make up a story for that missing time rather than just saying like, Oh, I I was blacked out from the massive amounts of drugs in my system. Um, (laughs) like, which is believable and which medical test proves like, Hey, if I went to get out of this, I could say anything right now. Um, so all that stuff was just super annoying. But, but I like Um, the idea that Nas got like, even though I didn't believe at all that it would end in mistrial, I like the idea that there's some closure, but that Nas is changed. Like his family's never going to be the same. He's Mm -hmm. never going to be the same. He's still addicted to drugs. Uh, and, Mm-hmm. I, like, I did. If, if anything, <laughs> this show proved like the justice system, or at least the mishandling of it, can ruin lives easily. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And that's uh, to the show's credit, it, you know, that it kind of takes you through the steps of like how a person could easily be wrongly convicted if things went, you know, a, right. in a certain direction. But, you, you know, and, like, and there's, a great, really... there's a great moment in the season finale mm-hmm. when Box presents to her all the evidence, and she's like, "We have more on." On Nas, you know, we have that, more on the also, other kid. and it's I just like it's just, it's completely yeah. amoral. It's like, yeah, hey, I, I don't even care who did it. it. We have more evidence on this person, so we should just, you know, we should mm-hmm. convict this person. And I, like, I sort of hated that scene too because I, I like think, that scene. I think it was a great demonstration of is, like that these are people just caught up yeah. in the system. It's very wire esque in terms of how it's it a great scene. Work. I wish I believed it more from that other from the other lawyer, right? Because I think she. She was at least presented as somebody who was like – she had like this great nervous tick to her and to her uh, voice that was really just interesting. But she also seemed like somebody who – like everybody thought what they were doing was right. You know, they were doing it because she really believed Nas did this thing and they had all this evidence and her job was to convict him. And like I don't know. I guess maybe somewhere like, OK, I can also believe that she's going to be that amoral as well even though there's clearly another it, – it's, it's a whole other level, right? It's one level to like lie a little bit about the evidence or his motivation. It's another to completely disregard somebody um, who yeah, uh, may actually have done it and send this other person, this innocent person to jail for who knows how long. I let's just say I completely disagree with you on this point, um, yeah. and you know, just that I think like if I was in that situation, when she says we have more evidence on the kid, mm-hmm. she's yeah, she's not just saying a practical statement of. Like, we can more easily convict this person. I think part of it is also, potentially, that, like, she doesn't know what the real answer is. Right, you know? yeah. And maybe yeah. the fact that she has more evidence on the kid means the kid did it. Uh, so, I don't agree. I think, like, that was a great moment in the show that sh- showed what the, the show is trying to do. 
And uh, so we agree to disagree on that one. But overall, I thought the finale was fine. Like was fine. all the all yeah. the red herrings were proven to be red herrings, and the person who we thought did it didn't do it, and it was oh all my God. yeah, it was shocking twist, blah blah blah. Anyway, I guess nothing. It was unsurprising. It was, I guess, surprising to me in how unsurprising it was. Right, like it was very textbook. Yeah, everything they showed us. Oh, and we get another shot of shoes trying to mean something. Uh, <laughs> what did it mean? Her changing her, you know, fancy court shoes to sneakers. It means she's that putting, she's leaving she's, behind her professional yes. persona. She's a different person when she's going to be a normal room. person again. She's wearing sneakers. Joshua Grohl in the chat room makes a really good point. Helen's decision not to try the case again, I think, was her admission that she was having doubts. Yeah. I really yeah. love that moment. That was an that awesome, was that was awesome moment when they're like, how do you want to proceed? And she turns to them, and then the entire defense table turns towards her, and they're just hanging. All these people just hanging on what yeah. this person can decide yeah. at a whim. At a complete whim of whatever – maybe she ate a bad lunch that day and she makes a different decision, you know? <laughs> uh, anyway, so a yeah. uh, lot of great moments in the finale, a lot of stupid moments too with all these red herrings being dismissed that we were wasting time on anyway. I would have loved more time with Detective Box. I would have loved more time with Nazir's family. I did like that element of like the cab and how he's struggling and how he had ruined his family's life with the stealing of the cab and stuff. Wish there had been more about the family dynamics. Uh, so overall, I'd say the night of was a mixed bag. Does some things really well, does some things really crappily, uh, but I'm still glad that the show was made and it seems to be something that has captured the zeitgeist. Would love to hear from our listeners who are tuning in right now. You can dial us at 781-583-1993. Again, that's 781-583-1993. And, uh, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say about the season finale of The Night Of. So feel free to call in uh, starting right now. Uh, so, Devendra, do you notice that this show borrowed from some soundtracks uh, throughout its, its many episodes? There was, uh-huh. uh, like, usage of... Some people were saying, like, the Being John Malkovich score, I said it was, or the, the Man Who Wasn't There, those scores are very similar. The penultimate episode used uh, themes very similar to that. The season finale used uh, a track from The Door and the Floor, uh, which is a beautiful score that was used in the trailer for uh, Never Let Me Go. Uh, I thought the musical choices overall were, were pretty good. You a fan? Did yeah, you, uh, it's, it's fine. I, I don't remember any of them specifically. Like, that's... I guess in a show like this, like, sometimes the use of music and, you know, how it's tied together with the imagery would be more memorable, and I'm surprised, like, I, none of that really clicked with me, even early on. Uh, yeah. Uh, what did you think of the cat, by the way? Firstly, the, <laughs> the cat the, is very important. The final. So I actually yeah. thought that the cat would end up being <laughs> crucial to the case somehow. <laughs> I, like, I read a lot of that in reviews. Like there'd be some evidence. Felt, like the cat had some. Like, you guys fibers. were holding out so much hope for that cat. <laughs> the cat had some kind of fibers on it or whatever. <laughs> that it had a microchip. Yeah, it had something in it that would like reveal that Nas was innocent. Yeah. So uh, that was... I, I I enjoy cats. Uh, I enjoy seeing stories about cats. Uh, I have two cats. Um, I think the point where we saw the, uh, the the ASPCA commercial in the finale just it killed me because it was so funny. And maybe the show I don't even know if the show they knew like that would be like a little self referential thing. It just it seemed well. What was hilarious ridiculous. about that was that mm-hmm. they show the SPCA commercial and you're like, yes. oh well, now he's gonna go get the cat. But yeah. Nope, the cat has already the been there the there. entire oh, time. Oh, you outsmarted me the night of. Yeah, it, it, it kind of summed up the entire show. Like, oh wow, you really uh, tricked me there. 
in a way that felt completely unnecessary. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's Um, uh, that's I I think the cat, by the way, one thing they didn't mention is I actually think the cat was the reason his eczema went away. And I was actually trying to figure out what the meaning of that could be. Like this thing that could kill you, you know, but in some other ways is helping you and is saving you. Hmm. Um, Because I I think there are studies about like allergies affecting other allergies Mm. and Mm. how our bodies deal with that. It's funny, like, yeah, the show never mentioned that at all. um, But... Yeah, that's kind of how I'm reading all of that. Because his eczema didn't just go away with the weird uh, uh, herbal medicine stuff. It, it really went away when he brought in the cat. And I'm, that's the mystery I'm trying to figure out, Dave. The eczema. <laughs> the show still has you hooked on solving the eczema question, which uh, I understand. It spent so much time on it uh, that that is the completely understandable. Also uh, focused on his erectile dif- dysfunction as well, yep. which I know is one yep. of your favorite plot lines. It was really good. That's what's just what we needed. I was terrified that Freddy would do something crazy to keep Nas in prison at the end yeah. of because he had just yeah. given some huge talk about uh, you, you know, how he really valued Nas and why he wanted him there. Uh, so uh, I was really I was like on the, on the edge of my seat for that entire uh, sequence. But uh, fortunately, Nas got home okay, and apparently is free to leave the house whenever he wants, because his parents have learned nothing from that. so. <laughs> Um, and it, oh man, it it kills me that I don't know how much how much time do you think went on in this entire uh, probably a year time? is my guess a year six months something like that a long yeah. time. Uh, there were issues with him and his mother, like sh- like potentially her not believing him, and it kills me that the show did nothing with that either. Like he, there was no attempt really at a conversation between them. I remember she like didn't pick up a call from him at one point, and that's it. Well, yeah, and uh, also yeah. at one point she was questioning uh, yes. that like whether or not she had given birth to a monster. Yeah, and yep. Uh, but again, things that you see as weakness, I actually think are really great. No, because- it would have been great if they had explored that. If it, I don't yeah, think just I, saying I, a sentence is great. Like tell oh tell me more. Tell, show show your work here. Tell me what you mean about this. Give me character work. Don't give me that and then cut to eczema. I think there is a, a great moment where he accuses her of not believing him. Yes, at the and, very end. Yeah, right, at yeah. the very end. And then she says, you know, I never doubted. And uh, it's kind of speaks to the lies we need to tell each other in order to keep surviving as a family unit when someone's accused of something horrible. Let sure. me ask you this question. Did you understand what was going on in the shop at the end when he, like, eyes that kid? That's his friend. In? That's his friend who dumped him, basically. If his friend had picked him up that night, oh right, okay, yeah, this, this all none of this would happen. Yeah, and I wonder how much guilt that that also another interesting facet to explore uh, that you will not see in the night of. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, so, any other thoughts on uh, the season finale? Uh, I mean, it, it, it seemed pretty straightforward. Uh, the, the cat story, the fact that we went back to the eczema. Uh, I, I think the best thing about the finale for me was the cat came back or at least he got the cat back and uh something i noticed and this is just like a little technical thing but i think hbo has finally fixed their streaming technology so that's i don't i don't know if you remember this dave but during the game of thrones streaming uh it was not good it was it was not great for dark scenes and i right now it's almost pristine so uh good job hbo yeah they did a good job there seemed to be no problems uh with the uh streaming on my end so yeah not, not just problems it's more like artifacting like black levels when you do video like that uh it's they tend to suffer so uh, that's nice yeah all right we have our first caller here uh call you're on the air with david and Devindra. uh what's your name and where are you from 
Hi, I'm um, Audrey from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Hi, Audrey from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. What did you think of the uh, season finale of The Night Of? Uh, it was okay. Um, I was definitely sort of disappointed in some of like the unrealistic things that were going on. I know you guys kind of discussed them. But I actually had a question um, for you guys about uh, the book that Freddie gave Nas um, as he was leaving prison. And if you think there's sort of any significance to that in Nas's future outside of prison. So the book uh, that Freddie uh, gives Nas at the end is Jack London's Call of the Wild, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, yeah, uh, any significance that you think uh, from this book, Devendra? Any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I'm not too familiar with the book either, but uh, the show, like many things, was very clear about what the book meant to symbolize early on. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it means about him giving it to him. It's like, oh, I guess you're going to need this in the real world now because the real world is your new prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The wild is the real world now. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't. It might have been more complex than that. I don't know that I would give the show that much credit given everything that's happened until this point. Um, yeah. So, did you have I, any thoughts, Audrey? Well, I guess I was sort of wondering because it seemed like I mean, Freddie still has a fair amount of connection to the world outside of prison. So I, yeah. I mean, I had sort of this idea that maybe through that he was sending messages to Nas about his like intention to continue his relationship with Nas outside of prison and maybe which would continue Nas's um I don't know sort of criminality uh, after he <laughs> left prison but it could be sort of extending that a little too far I don't know that it is uh I actually assume that it would continue as well so uh yeah. and it, at the end when he's kind of doing a drug buy I actually thought that that's what that was but it turns out he was just buying drugs for himself yeah. so yeah because yeah, his life yeah. is ruined now yeah, yeah it's great i don't know i'm not sure yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah. <laughs> but i think it's a good thought uh so did you mm-hmm. like the show would you recommend the show overall audrey um yeah i think i enjoyed it it sort of disappointed me uh towards the second half i think like you guys have said um but overall it was definitely i think it was worth a watch all right audrey well thanks for calling in thanks for listening to the slash filmcast really appreciate it yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, you can keep calling in right now at 781-583-1993. Uh, and, yeah, the Freddy stuff, overall, all of it I thought felt pretty <laughs> heavy-handed. Yeah. Uh, so I, Yeah, that, that's how records work. Prisoners have free reign to have whatever the hell they want. They can get tattoos in prison. Yeah. They can watch TV, do drugs. Get an LCD TV, do drugs. Yeah. I thought they can, it was they a bit, can have sex with the prison guards. <laughs> I thought it was a bit odd. I, I mean, to be fair, I'm sure elements of all yeah, those things of actually happen happens. in real life. But, but I don't know that they all happen simultaneously yeah. all the time. Yes. yes. Uh, I think that uh, one of the things that I thought was odd was the Nas uh, like making out with his lawyer, that <laughs> tape. And no one asking, <laughs> where did that come from? Yep. Like what? Yep. I mean, John Stone, I think, just assumed that it came from Detective Box. Yep. But uh, it came from Freddy. Like, do you think Freddy was trying to force a mistrial and keep Nas in prison longer? No, I, I think that was, that was Freddy's goal. But yeah, yeah, where did it come from originally? Why, did, why was a guard just looking at it, right? How do they know about it, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Unless anyway. maybe Freddie could have asked him to like make sure there's a security camera on their on their sessions or something, but why record that and not the like very the the worst drug charge and maybe that's because Freddie wanted to help him. Uh, that could be something. Indeed, we got another caller at seven eight one five eight three nineteen ninety three. You're on the air with David and Devendra. Who is this and where you're from? 
Hey, David and Avenger, this is Michael. I'm uh, just down the road from Audrey. I'm in Durham, North Carolina. Oh, nice. Uh, so, Michael, what did you think of the night of season finale? The, the, well, I liked the finale. Um, I thought it wrapped up things in a really interesting way. You guys mentioned this on the Flash cast a few weeks ago, but there were a lot of situations where the finale could come off as really disappointing, and I think they were able to get around those. Like, it wasn't something where it's just like her stepdad who did it. Um, and so... I think they they were able to make a satisfying ending, but the the thing that I wanted to bring up was I want to get your guys' opinions on if you think that like some of the messiness in the middle was a result of the fact that it was only eight episodes, mm-hmm. so things felt a little rushed. That, at least that's how I felt. Like maybe if they fleshed out some of the characters more, the endings would be more rewarding. So it was like, what if you know the, that show? had a longer length, maybe not like the length of an Oz or the Wire, but definitely, you know, maybe like two, three more episodes. Yeah, like a 12-episode season or something. Yeah. Uh, Well, uh, I mean, my take on it is that I I think it's less a concern about length and more a concern Mm -hmm. with how they they used the length that they had, you know? Yes. That, uh, as we discussed, like, I think they focused on the wrong things and too much on the eczema and not enough on the characters, like you said. And so uh, it ended up feeling very rushed, even though I don't think it had to be. You know, mm-hmm. I think they just uh, – there's a saying in, in filmmaking, you have to kill your darlings. And someone's darling was John Turturro's foot eczema, and they could not <laughs> kill it. You know, they just love that idea so much. I feel like that took a lot away uh, from it. And then, like, these, these fantastical elements in, from the prison, I thought – Mm-hmm. Also made it so that they couldn't focus on the important uh, characters. It really focused a lot, like not just the eczema, but yeah, the uh, John Turturro sex life. Like we had several scenes kind of around that, maybe more than we needed. You know, I understand he's a human being and dealing with these issues, but yeah, if if some of that were cut in exchange for more about Nas, more about the police work in the case, or more about his family, like to me, those are the essential elements of this show. All right. Well, well, thanks so much for calling in. Uh, we appreciate it. All right, one last caller we have time for. Hi, you're on the air with David and Devendra. Who is this and where are you from? Hello, gentlemen. Uh, it's Justin, and I'm here in uh, Vancouver, B.C., and I was scrolling past Twitter and saw you guys were doing this, so here we are. Okay, thanks for calling in, Justin. So what do you think of the night of season finale? Um, steaming pile of garbage, maybe a dumpster fire. I don't know. Um, that is pretty... Uh, this is what I want your... That is pretty harsh, <laughs> Justin. Uh, yeah. Pretty harsh. I... I agree. So that's why I want your guys to stick. I need you to talk me off the ledge here. So yeah. does it feel to you uh, guys at all like um, HBO is using really strong starts to really interesting crime procedurals as a vessel for something completely different than that that loses a large amount of interest and steam along the way? I, I think you're also referring to like True Detective, if I'm, de- mm-hmm. if I'm detecting your uh, inflection correctly. Yeah, yeah. Is it that obvious? Damn. Okay. Yeah. So yes, I, I. That's basically where I'm heading with it, and that's what it felt like with this entire season. It felt like it started off so strong. I mean, at work we now have a specific cat emoji in Slack. We have Slack channels talking about <laughs> night of amongst coworkers, and that has all trailed off aggressively as time went on because it just feels like they they sucked you in with a great procedural and turn it into a vessel for teaching you something about society and whatnot. 
I mean, I, 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 I don't. I don't think that those things are yeah mutually exclusive, yeah, right? I think I, the I think wire a, yeah. did a good job of balancing those things. Like, I don't. I'm not a, an anti SJW, you know, warrior or something, right? Like, I I am all for social messages, especially in our fiction. Uh, but uh, what was the social message of uh, True Detective season two? I guess also industry is bad it, it's just it, to me the big problem feels like weak writing in both accounts true detective season two they admitted that uh Pizzolato basically didn't have enough time to really craft that show uh they've been working on this show since like 2012 so i don't know what the uh the excuse is here uh you, you know uh, mm-hmm. again i think both of you are being a little bit harsh i think the show is a mixed bag. It does some things really well. It doesn't do other things well. And it succumbs too much to the temptation to invoke, you know, right. procedural genre stereotypes. But would you, would, like, would you recommend the show, Dave? Because at this point, I wouldn't recommend it to people. I'd recommend Oof. them other shows that I think were more that, – mm. that were better. Things yeah. that people haven't seen. A lot of people and haven't can, seen Oz. You yeah, know? it's tough. It's tough. I don't – Yeah, and if, if someone came along and said, give me a really good procedural, it feels like something like right. – the wire has everything you're looking for. It has really interesting stories. Yeah. It also is telling a message. It seems like this was trying to do both and kind of like true detective for many. I love true detective season one, it, but it, for many, it, it really rubbed them the wrong way because the procedural side fell off. It even has a better kind of weird, atypical uh, criminal role for Michael K. Williams. Yep. Yeah. You yep. know, the wire has everything. Uh, so I agree. If you haven't yeah. seen the wire, watch the wire uh, but if you have seen The Wire, then I think you could do a lot worse than The Night Of. Um, anyway, Justin, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts, and uh, thanks for listening to the Slash Homecast. Appreciate it. Yeah, have a good night, guys. Take care. Thanks. We have one last listener that's a really, really special listener uh, that I would like to hear this person's thoughts on The Night Of. Hello. Jeff Kanata, you're on the air live with us right now. <laughs> on the and air live? Uh, we're live, and the reason you weren't joining us for this is because uh, you were out tonight, and you got home late, and you had to start The Night Of like 45 minutes after we started watching the show. I did. Have, uh, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Yep. I'm really, really pleased to be here, guys. <laughs> We've just taken uh, a bunch of callers at 781-583-1993, and you were the last one. Uh, so, you know, real quickly, even though we spent the last 45 minutes talking about it, what did you think of the night of? I really liked it. I, I'm, I'm very curious as to what you guys uh, think of it because I don't think we've talked uh, at length about it. But um, I, it did have its uh, ins and outs and ups and downs. And I think it started really, really strong and then kind of waned a little bit. But I thought it finished strong. And, and it, it basically um, became – something I didn't think it started as. I think it started with much more promise than what it ultimately was, which is, which is basically a, um, a mystery. <laughs> it's a mystery, uh, like, a, a, you know, a mystery novel, a whodunit. Um, and I, I loved the ambiguity of the ending uh, and how basically it's just the, uh, this process wrecks havoc with everyone and is a flawed process, a flawed system. Um, and I liked that we had, you know, uh, a, a whole bunch of people that could have done it and we don't exactly know who it was. And, uh, I really enjoyed all the characters. I loved how the, how the show was shot. Uh, I enjoyed the ride. Um, I think the beginning, the first two episodes really were the high point, yeah, but I, I thought it finished strong. You really think that this ambiguous who uh, killed the girl at the end? I mean, I think it makes a clear case for uh, <laughs> the, account- for the, the accountant. 
right? Yes. The one guy with clear motivation and access, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I like. I mean, I think, I think there is still uh, some doubt about that. I think there is still a bit of of doubt that even Naz could have done it. You know, I think I think that there is still some, you know, some room to interpret uh, the show in several ways. I think, yeah, I mean, ultimately the fact that the prosecuting attorney says, let's go get this guy. Um, and then we see box like on the case. I yeah. think, yeah. I think we're led to believe that he is the culprit, but I like that, that the show mm-hmm. didn't, really you know answer it definitively honestly like i the thing is like jeff what you're presenting i actually would have liked that if the show didn't give us like this clear other victim or at least brought in brought him in and didn't make like it gave us enough evidence i think to make us think like uh, this dude really 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 like there there's a good chance he did it if it were less clear about that and we're a little more open to like nas potentially doing it like if that was the setup of the entire ending and the middle supported that more, that would be far more interesting, maybe. My biggest complaint actually is that the the turning point was this crisis of conscience from the prosecutor. Ah, I don't really buy that. Like literally she's giving her closing arguments and just can't bring herself to right. do it. Yeah, I did not I, buy that at all. And yeah. nor nor did I buy and we talked about this earlier on the podcast, nor did I buy the idea that uh John Turturro's uh, closing argument was so good that it caused six jurors to think that he was not guilty. I mean, yeah. she completely obliterated him on the stand. You know, like yeah. that is a brutal cross examination yeah. that she delivered. And there's just but no I, way I can imagine anyone coming back from that. I didn't so. interpret it as John Turturro saving the day with his wonderful oration. I interpreted it as, you know, there's legit, uh, legit other people that could have done it. And there was yeah. legit, and all he did was remind them that. You know, you have to – you have the presumption of innocence and you have to you know, prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. And I think the case was uh, – you know, uh, had enough doubt in it. I didn't interpret it as like they, w- they would have lost if it weren't for Torturo. Mm-hmm. Torturo is amazing, mm-hmm. you know. Well, in that case, then they, I, don't buy, I don't buy any of it then. Like, yeah, I, I just yeah. didn't feel like they, they made a strong enough case. I mean his freaking DNA is everywhere, man. Anyway. <laughs> I agree. But um, I, also, I also didn't buy what – she intended to accomplish by putting him on the stand at all. Are we supposed yeah, to believe yeah, yeah. that she's just so uh, rose-colored glasses on him? You, you mean so, the other the other attorney, Chandra, right? Yeah, yeah. That she is so sort of taken with him as a person that mm-hmm. she's blind to the fact that it, it accomplishes nothing. Like what yeah. she's we're supposed to think that what she sees in him is an innocent man, and so she just wants to present him to the jury because her line yeah, of questioning yeah. added nothing. Guys, yep. I yep. I don't – this might be a controversial statement, but I have a feeling Chandra is not the best lawyer. I'm just going to put that <laughs> – I'm going to go on a limb, put that out there that maybe I mean, she's not There may be that, ideal. but Jeff, what did you think of that little uh, – their little love story? Because I think that was the point where I was like, nope, nope, show, you are too dumb for me yep. right now. Yep. Uh, yeah, and, and her procuring drugs for him. Yeah. It's like, really? We're going this far down the yeah. – yeah, it's a, that was a little bit uh, – over the top, and and, and the, the show did dip at moments into that, uh, and I think it didn't do itself any favors that way, and sort of dipping into melodrama a bit, and um, mm-hmm. and these kind of big, uh, you know, dramatic turns and instead of sticking to what I think how it started, which was a really grounded, really realistic. But you know, even in those first two episodes, 
I was shouting at my television about how stupid he was. Yes, yeah. You know, and I think there's a lot of people doing a lot of really stupid things. Like, you know, she, as, as his lawyer, did some really stupid mm-hmm. things. And, you know, there's a lot of people in the show that do some really stupid things. I just wish it was written more like people, like normal humans making human errors that happen to be stupid and not just like gross grossly negligent like negligent <laughs> narrative errors you know yeah. like that that to me is the bigger problem uh, one thing we didn't talk about like do you guys have a like i actually think it would be more interesting if we heard more from the jury too like if we got a look at yeah. that process yeah. because yeah. uh you look at the people versus oj simpson uh we got one good episode with the jury in that show and that was incredible but also everything yeah. was incredible in that show but like i, I do kind of miss out not having that perspective agreed either. like it would have been great to have uh, there's so many things you, you know and i made this point earlier jeff that mm-hmm. like you can focus uh you know 30 45 minutes on eczema if everything else in the show is firing on all cylinders and it wasn't like and they could have used eczema time for jury time you know they could have used <laughs> eczema time for detective box time and they didn't and that's a huge disappointment so i agree that was a huge missing piece of the puzzle uh in a show that did a lot of things really well so yeah and it's fr- very frustrating to see uh naz's journey in prison yeah and you know like you know you're really going to tattoo sin on your hand and then <laughs> go in bad jeff sin bad that's and then and then go into like I, what, yeah. I said to my wife as as his cross examination started. I was like, her first question is, "Show me your hand, real quick." <laughs> uh, well, I, you know, Devinger, I saw you get in a little tiff with Matt Patches on Twitter about this. It, it was day, a friendly right? tiff, but yeah. uh, but, yeah. but his point was, you know, if you went into prison, you would be a changed person too. You know, it's true. So but I would think what I would be smart enough to realize if I'm on trial and I think I'm innocent, yes. not to get the fucking crown tattoo on my neck. Every, everything Nas did in prison, like even if we can say, oh, man, being a Rikers will change you as a person after a couple of months. Like the core idea is like I am an innocent person. I do not need to be here. I need to do everything in my power. I can understand doing everything to like survive the prison, but I also I need to do everything in my power to get the fuck out of here. And yeah, he he the tattoos on his hands, on his neck, shaving his head, everything. Like none of that, none of that helped. Time makes fools of us all, Jeff Canada. <laughs> sure. Time makes fools of us all. Anyway, yeah. uh well, those are our thoughts on the night of. Thanks so much for people for calling in. Uh, at 781-583-1993. That was super fun, and uh, we're planning on doing more of these kind of live call-ins in the future and hearing your thoughts on uh, on major television events. Uh, so appreciate it. You can always write into us at slashfilmcast.gmail.com or uh, find more episodes of the show at slashfilmcast.com. Uh, and thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to be recording the regular episode right after this, uh, so you will be able to hear that later this week as well. Uh, this has been the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of slashfilm.com, and our review of the night of.